This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Cody's getting cute, isn't he? A little Beach Boys riding the wave as the Athletics start a journey. Three in Baltimore, four in Tampa Bay. And they're starting this journey with an 11-game winning streak. And in those 11 games, they've outscored their opponents 71-33. to I want you to think about that for a moment. And Cody, weigh in on that. 71 runs in 11 games. That's are you lot, kidding me? That is amazing. That's a lot of runs. What do they have? How many home runs in that span? Is it 22 home runs hitting that span? That'd be 22 home runs in 11 games. There seems it can't hit 22 home runs in a month, and here they are hitting 22 in 11 games. The winning streak has been very impressive. That's their third winning streak of double digits in the last, like, let's say, 20 years. So you can remember the Moneyball run in 2002. One, they won 20. In 2019, they won 11 games also, and then now we're at 11 right now. And they're heading into Baltimore to play a very, I guess, they're exceeding expectations a little bit. Uh, I didn't think the Orioles are going to be whatever the record is. I don't even They the stink. Stop it. I mean, I, some teams got some early victories. They are who we th- who we thought they were. They're 4-6 and six in their last 10. And the A's have a legit chance to go in and take these three games and head to Tampa for a very tough, as we know, when you take on the Tampa Bay Rays, especially in Tampa, and that horrible dome, and it is horrible. I've been there. It's a miserable place. Nice little city, St. Petersburg, and actually is like the favorite hotel for a lot of the uh, A's traveling party. They love the hotel. It's a cool spot. But it's no day at the beach when taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. I see what you did there. Just like I was using, <laughs> just like I was using Surfing USA because uh, they're going to Baltimore and Tampa and they're riding the wave, man. Well, you're not riding any waves in in Baltimore. You have a crab <laughs> cakes, uh, but yeah, I mean this is this has been a place where good teams go to, to get fat and happy. I mean, we saw in a regular season what the Yankees beat them eighteen out of nineteen. I mean, Glaber Torres has had a career <laughs> against the Baltimore Orioles, for God's sakes. 
So this is where you go in, get fat and happy, and then head to Tampa. Who knows? We could be talking about 12, 13, 14 in a row. I think it's I think it's gonna be hard to sweep in Tampa, but if you want to beat the record, what 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 did the Indians end up? Were they twenty two or twenty three? It was twenty two in twenty seventeen. The year after they oh. went to the World Series, they won twenty two in a row, and then they lost. So that's the record you're going after. You're halfway there if you're looking at it glass half full right now. God, that is so many games. Winning twenty two straight games. That, that that's unreal. By the way. I've come up with an old analytic that everybody's forgotten about that I think can kind of tell you how good your team's doing. I know this is this is so old school, but innings pitched by your starting pitchers. Gee, I wonder who the top 10 would be, Cody. And would you see the top 10 teams whose starters go a lot in games? Do you think that translates into them having a good record? Uh, I would say yes, because I'm looking at the top 10. If you even go top 11, Seattle's 11th. Uh, they have the uh, second-best record in uh, the American League. Actually, they have the best record in the American League, but I think they do. Yeah, they're 12-7. and seven. So you got them. The top 10 would be the Dodgers, Giants, Padres, Rangers, surprising, Boston, Milwaukee. They got roughed up today, but their, their staff's pretty good. Detroit, the A's, Philly, Arizona, and then I aforementioned Seattle at 11. The only bad team in there is Detroit. Because yeah. you can even look at Texas at 9 and 10. They're one win from being 500. Arizona's A's 9 and 10. And A's and Mariners are tied at 12 and 7. It just goes to show how it, it's a game changer when your starters give you innings. It puts, it puts less stress on the bullpen. It allows you to use your better bullpen arms more often. I'm sorry if that is a crazy old-school stat for you, Cody. It's not ex-WOBA. It's not ERA+. plus. It's just a simple, how much are your starters giving you? And does that translate in your team being better? And so far in 2021, where we were all scared about how many innings guys were going to be able to go, uh, it's translated. Wouldn't you say? Who's, who's got the best record in baseball? Whose starters have pitched the most? Uh, be the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, and they uh, their their starters this year are ten and two of the two four seven ERA and nineteen starts, hundred twenty nine strikeouts to eighteen walks. That's all pretty impressive. It's a nice little staff they put together there. Wait, what? How many strikeouts to walks? Hundred twenty nine strikeouts to eighteen walks in hundred sixteen and two thirds innings pitched by their starters. Now it's Bauer, Bueller. Kershaw, May, and Julio Urias, who might be the best of them right now this season. Well, you know what, too? I I, I bet if you just looked at at staff's walks, I bet that would translate also into who are the best teams and who are not. Who's not giving away 90 feet for free? Who's making teams earn 90 feet? Does that translate into wins and losses? Here's the top five teams and walks allowed by the starters. Colorado, they're they're not very good. The Angels, forty-four, they're second. The Pirates are nine and ten. They have allowed forty. The Marlins aren't that bad. They're at thirty-nine. And then Boston and Seattle each have thirty-nine, also at six and at five and six. And then Detroit again. Who 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 has walked the least amount? Uh that would probably be the Dodgers, if I had to guess. Uh the least amount allowed is the Los Angeles Dodgers, followed by the Tampa or followed by Texas. 
and Tampa Bay at two and three with twenty one each. Where where are the A's? The A's are twelfth with thirty free passes issued by the starting pitchers. And that all came early. Because one thing you will have noticed during this winning streak, they haven't been walking anybody. It's like one a game, if not zero. And when you're not walking people, it's amazing how that translates into wins. Playing fundamental baseball. And, yes, you're going to have to have your – when's Dave Cavill going to join us? Uh, Any minute now. I just just messaged Curtis to let him know. All right, so the president, Dave Cavill, is going to join us uh, in moments. And then David Force, the general manager, will be here at 2.30. Will you have your money ball drops ready for uh, David about stolen bases? Oh, do you mean the? Uh, mean this one? Another thing, no more stealing. That's what I do. That's what you pay me to do. No, I pay you to get on first, and I get thrown out a second. Well, I mean, uh, if you're the A's, you've only been thrown out trying to steal, the, uh, steal second or third three times out of 18, out of 21. Wait. 18 out of 21. I mean, they're 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 the running A's. Forget the swinging A's. They're the running A's. That's a really good nickname. I like that. We should. We need to coin that. We need to get that to marketing ASAP. Especially if they keep if they keep stealing bases. Now, I got to look at the leaderboard, but the Padres stole a base last night, so I think the Padres might be in the lead again. But the A's are still right up there. Who is the Who's the last A to lead the league in in steals? Ugh, probably Terrence Long. I'd have to go back and look. Do we have Dave Cavill, the president of your Oakland Athletics? You do. I'm here. Sorry, I was doing some other interviews. I'm here now. Happy to talk baseball, ballpark, all the fun stuff. Well, I got to tell you, is there anything better than having an 11-game winning streak after starting the season 0-6? Uh, I've never experienced anything so good this way because uh, that first week was a rough one, and now we're a totally new team, which is wonderful to see. You know, it's just crazy how this organization works because no team in the history of baseball, the history of the game has started out 0-6 and then had an 11-game winning streak. And and just to see them, Dave, turn this around and do it as a complete roster and a complete team, just just how much fun has it been to watch this team grow? Well, it just shows the resiliency of the players and I think the coaching and management of Bob Melvin and – all his coaching staff, you know, it, it requires like an incredible amount of, um, you know, resiliency to get through something like that and keep your confidence. And I think it showed a lot about what we have this year with this squad. And I think it's super exciting to be a part of it. And I know our community and our fans are fired up and let's just go out there and get another game today. Yeah. Just uh, talk about the last homestand and just how refreshing it is to see fans in the, in the stands. It's just, it's what it's all about. You know, it, it made me think back to last year when we were stuck there with the cutouts and there was just like 10 of us watching the games. It was just, it was like post-apocalyptic county. So, I mean, this is just such a breath of fresh air to have the energy, the excitement, to see people, you know, yelling at the top of their lungs, let's go Oakland, and just enjoying the, you know, especially the day games with their families. It's just, it's a special feeling at the Coliseum, East Bay Baseball, and, you know, we're just really happy to have the folks out. And obviously, we're going to talk about the financial offer that was made to the city of Oakland. And, you know, for the we've been talking about all the hurdles you've had had to, had to go over and, and get through. 
And it just seems like we're getting so so close after after so many years of not knowing if this would ever happen. How close are we now that you, you've put out this financial offer to the city? Well, this is a really big moment. So, I mean, this is this is like basically the moment we've been waiting for for the last three years where we get in front of the city council. We can present our case. We have the full offer base. We spent a year on this with the city and we're ready for that yes vote so we can schedule a day to do a groundbreaking and, and get this project going and so um this is as consequential a moment as we've had in oakland uh in years and so we're we appreciate the support of our fans and everyone associated with the club to put the support behind us to get the council to take the vote and to get a yes so we can keep moving forward you know looking at the uh the details of the term sheet, it just seems like a win-win for everybody. It's a win for the city of Oakland. It's a win for the Oakland athletics. It's going to build so much as we've seen in other cities where they build it. People come, whether we're talking about football stadiums, baseball stadiums, arenas, you know, the, the way the, the community grows around it. I mean, just the whole thing. And I, I know you've been fighting for this and it's, you know, your heart and soul has been put into this, but just, it seems like a no brainer. Well, I mean, especially when now you see the numbers, you know, it's a $12 billion project all in. We've got a billion dollar privately financed stadium, state of the art, our new home. You know, we got a billion dollars going to the city's general fund, $450 million in community benefits. I mean, County, this is an incredible proposal to Oakland, to the East Bay. And, you know, rarely does an opportunity like this come up. So we're hopeful that people will see that and realize the enormity of it and how important it is beyond even keeping the A's. Like, even if you weren't an A's fan or a baseball fan, it's just good dollars and cents. And we're very hopeful that um, we'll get a positive vote this summer. How important is our fans to reach out to the city council to tell them how much they want this? It's critical because, you know, the city council members, they're going to respond to their constituents, to people who live in Oakland. And so anything, if people are Oakland residents reaching out to their council members, signing the petition that we have, change.org, to uh, urge them to take the vote this summer, all those things go a long way to help. And then obviously when we, hopefully when we have the vote, to speak either in person or via Zoom, depending on how the meeting is, those will be important steps um, in getting a guest vote. You know, Libby Schaff is an A's fan, um, obviously from Oakland, and we've had her on this program, and she understands, you know, you lost the NBA. You lost the NFL. Most cities, that would have been a really, really big deal. They both just left without much of a, a to-do. Uh, talk about your relationship with the mayor and how she knows how important it is to keep the A's in Oakland. Well, she wrote a tremendous op-ed about two weeks ago about the importance of building at Howard and what it means for the city and the community benefits, like I said. So she's been an incredible supporter and advocate for what we're doing. And it's been great working hand in hand with her to, to get this approved. And so she's done an incredible job. And I think we need, you know, everybody else to step up and really, you know, share that spirit and, you know, be willing to take that next step forward. And and the fans can obviously help propel that forward. The mayor, everyone associated with the A's and, and, and our organization is part of it. How tough has it been to try and get this through going through COVID 
and really not being able to meet with anybody. You know, that's been a weird thing. You know, like, you know, we were kind of teed up, teed up to have this vote more than a year ago, but then COVID hit and everything got pushed and, you know, people got very isolated and were focused just on the next week and the, the virus. And we're starting to emerge from that, which is great with the vaccinations and, you know, the numbers are all down. So I think the timing is right to put this back on the front burner and, you know, be able to meet with people in person and, and really share the vision of what this is. That's what this is all about, sharing really a new vision for the Oakland waterfront and one that I think once everyone learns more about it, it is really a win for everyone. You know, you got a Via Stadium built down in San Jose for the earthquakes. How similar or how different has this process been for a baseball ballpark versus a soccer stadium? Well, I think the biggest difference really is the pandemic because we lost a lot of momentum um, because of that. And so that has been something that obviously all of us in, in society have had to deal with. But there are a lot of parallels in terms of building support at the different levels. Down there was the planning commission. It was having a champion, Sam Licardo, who's currently the mayor, but he was a district council member at the time in District 3. And so having that champion was really, really important. And, you know, I just remember the day when we did the ribbon cutting and the joy I saw of all the different soccer fans and San Jose residents and just, you know, Bay Area soccer folks who just never thought the day would come. Uh, because similar to this, this project, lots of people thought it would never happen because it was something that was really um, taking a long time. So, you know, I've dealt with that in the past. I've seen and come out the other side and seen the success and excitement that it, that it brings. And that's something I'm looking forward to achieving in Oakland as well. Yeah, because we heard so many different things for all these years and you never bought anything. I mean, this is the this is the one where you're actually starting to see the goal line, right? That you're going to be able to punch it in for a touchdown. And I think one of the big benefits is what what's going to be built around in the community for, for from a business and a small business standpoint. And you're going to have affordable housing. And then, of course, it's going to be a ballpark that people can utilize 365 days a year. I mean, like recently, you know, the last actual trip I was on, we were in Philadelphia. You couldn't get in to see their their baseball stadium or your football stadium. This will be a project that people can go to year round. I mean, it, it really harkens back to how baseball was originally played in a park. And that was the notion of having the rooftop park, a park within a park. That's what BRK Ingalls was inspired to create. And that's something that's open 365 days a year. So when families come from Philadelphia to, to here and they come to the Oakland waterfront, they can go walk in that park and see, look down on the field and say, wow, that's where Ramon Laureano hit a grand slam to win the World Series or whatever the story is. And so I think that is going to be such a special piece to create a destination at the Oakland waterfront, which doesn't exist right now, bringing two and a half million people there, the economic activity, the jobs, and just the experiences, the fun experiences that people are going to have on game day or not game day is going to be something that will last for generations. You know, I ran into John Fisher the other day, and obviously he's very excited about the win streak as we all are very excited. <laughs> we all are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, cause my God, the post game show was doom and gloom, Dave. It was, it was tough. That first six. Games. I was, I was listening. I was listening in my car. I was listening. <laughs> but uh, just how excited is John Fisher with this project getting so close? Uh, tremendously excited. You know, this is the second project I've worked hand in hand with him on that's had ups and downs and, you know, to have that support financially and 
um, just encouragement that we can put out an offer like this. I mean, almost no ownership group could put out an offer that we put out to the city of Oakland. It's, it's un, unparalleled in terms of its scale and the commitments that we're making to the Oakland community. Um, you know, other teams, when they were here, they were asking for money from the city. We're giving money to the city plus the ballpark. So this is just a tremendous moment. And it's one that I hope people realize the significance of. And I just really hope that the council takes it seriously, gets this thing agendized, gets this vote, you know, before July 20th, which is the um, deadline. And let's, let's move this to the next phase because it's an exciting time. You know, following this for years, it is just so tough to build in California. You can ask the 49ers, you can ask the Warriors, the Sacramento Kings, the now Los Angeles Rams and Chargers. Getting something built new in California, just talk about how hard it is. Well, I mean, it's a challenge. You know, there's just so many different um, regulations and red tape. And, you know, it, it, you have to jump through a lot of hoops to make it happen. You have to have a great legal team and it's expensive. And, and in many ways, that's why only really big projects get approved because only really big projects can absorb all the tens of millions of dollars of pre-development work. Um, but we've done a lot of that work already. We're a long way into this, you know, almost five years into this, into this effort in Oakland. And so we really feel strongly that, you know, we've already had the port approve it unanimously. We've had three pieces of state legislation. We had the governor certify it. It's really just coming down to the city council vote. And we feel that we really dug deep with this offer um, and spent, we spent almost a year on it with the city staff um, to put something out there that really makes sense for Oakland. And, and they, like you said, can be kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Well, I, you know, in a lot of these cities in California, projects were shut down because of COVID-19. Some projects are not going to even come back. So I got to think it just from, from a standpoint for the city and having a major construction project, how much that means to the city. Cause we're not sure what's going to come back and, and what projects will actually ever get done. Yeah, you know, the Kaiser Project, their big headquarters, that was canceled in COVID in Oakland. And that was like a couple billion dollar project. I mean, our project's $12 billion. So, I mean, it's just the scale of this is just so enormous. And so, you know, I think that's why I think in the end, County, is that people are going to look at this and just realize this is just a good thing. And so we're very hopeful. And we've spent a lot of time engaging the community and, and we have a great pro community benefits process that uh, we've worked through and we have almost $450 million dedicated for that effort. And that includes affordable housing um, and other efforts, workforce development, local hire, a lot of really important things that our community needs. So we, we feel like we got the pieces and, you know, this is another important step today and it's exciting to get it out there. And we just want to encourage all our fans to continue to support us and, and help us along the way. Yeah, we'll we'll push our fans to reach out to the city council. Do you have do you have like any idea when they possibly could take this up and vote for it? Well, you know, they're they're currently in session and it goes till um the 20th of July. I mean, the term sheet is fully baked, you know, it's on the website. People can read it, all 35 pages with the eight exhibits and the, all this legal language, but it also has an exhibit F, which is the financial package, which is very clear. And um we're just asking for them to sign on the dotted line, get that thing signed so we can we can take the next step. Let's end on this. How much does it help? I don't know. It may, it may not. 
But how much does it help that you have a team that's won 97 games two straight years, then you win the division in the shortened season, but they were projected to win around 97 again, and now you got a ball club that's won 11 in a row in first place. How much does that help your effort that the team, Bob Melvin, Billy Bean, David Force, they've been successful? It's everything. I think it reminds people how important the A's are to this community and the joy that it brings, especially now after a pandemic where people have really had a challenging time, a hard time, all of us, it's, it's invaluable. So yes, it's, it's a, it's a huge part of it. And, you know, I thank Bob and Billy and David and the players all the time for, you know, they're playing a key role in this as well. Yeah. It takes a long time to turn a ship, but it's like the ship's been turned in the right direction and what you guys are doing ownership, front office, what the team's doing on the field. David, it just seems like everything's going in the right direction. It's an exciting time. And let's, uh, let's keep it going tonight in Baltimore. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Be well, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Dave Cavill, the president of your Oakland Athletics. We haven't seen him since the wild card game of 2019. I mean, we've seen him on TV. I would say yeah, we've seen him on TV a good bit, but we haven't seen him in person. Well, he was like the only guy in the stands. They were all, it was like they always showed him. he was hanging out with the cardboard cutouts because they're there. I believe he's in tier two. Tier one is the traveling party. And that's why the whole thing with the twins was scary because once players got it, you know, how many people in the different tiers have been exposed to the players? Because if you're in tier two, you're around, you're, you're able to be around the players. That's why the last time we talked to Dave, I said, hey, you're going to be able to walk around and talk to everybody like you normally do? And he was, no, he's in tier two. So if you're going to be around the players, you can't be around the fans. I don't even think, are we even in a tier, what, what, you, what you'd call us? Uh, as Fossey always jokes with us, uh, we're tier three. But, I mean, are we really that? I mean, we already know that I'm a lower-level employee. I'm getting nowhere near the traveling party. The closest I get to talking to players and, and managers is, and, and Bob and David Force is whenever uh, we talk to them on here over the phone or when we see them on video. That's the closest we're getting to anyone right now. So I think we're Tier 3. Well, well yeah, think about Dallas Braden, where he is, his little perch. If you don't know it then you haven't been to the game, Dallas has to climb a ladder to go down. He can't take the elevator and go through the clubhouse. He can't do that because he's not a part of Tier 1 or Tier 2. So they had to build him a ladder for him to get down to his perch. But he can't be around the players. I mean, it's crazy. As much as we thought we were turning the page on 2020, 2021 from a baseball standpoint is still very similar. These guys are getting tested, what, every other day? Yeah, that sounds about right. And – you know, there are some teams that have hit that, that 85% threshold. I, th I think Detroit was one of them because that's why if you looked in the dugout during that series, A.J. Hinch and other guys weren't wearing the mask. That's because they hit the 85% vaccination rate. And everybody and everybody was like, what? Yeah, everyone's like, wait, why aren't they all their masks on? Well, then we found out they're all vaccinated. Yeah, Scott Service, the manager of the Mariners, said earlier this week that uh, he I think he said like 10 teams are already at that 85% threshold. And the Mariners were pretty close. So. so if you're not, that means you got players who don't want to take the vaccine. Uh, essentially, players or staff, or staff members is what you're, is probably what yeah. you're looking at. 
All right, coming up next, David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. You know what happened in today's baseball history, Cody? The Fernando Tatis two grand slams, one inning versus Chano Park, right? At Dodger Stadium. Who's playing the Dodgers tonight? Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be incredible. David Force is with us here on A's Cast Live. Happy win streak, David. <laughs> Didn't you say that last week, Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, this is incredible, right? No team has ever started out 0-6 and then had an 11-game winning streak. It's never happened. Well, that's yeah, half of that achievement is somewhat dubious, but um but I guess if that's what we had to do to get to where we are now, then great. We're in good we're in a good spot. How nice is it that this is so well-rounded? Offense, defense, starting pitching, bullpen. It's 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 your entire roster is contributing to all these wins. For sure. And, and yeah, you can't you can't put really any streak together without uh, without getting contributions from everywhere. So, I mean, I think, you know, I think we know that starting pitching is where this all starts. And I know those guys have talked a lot over the last kind of two times through the rotation about feeding off each other. But, um, but you know, outside of, of Frankie's start on Wednesday against Minnesota, they've been incredibly consistent and, and kept us in every game, if, if not, you know, if, if not done more than that. So, uh, the starting pitching is is where we start, and and like you said, we've we've swung the bats really well. I think we're you know in the league leaders in homers. Uh, our defense has played way more consistently than we did the first week of the season, um, and it's it's been nice. A lot of those games have been in hand and and turn them over to the bullpen. You know the the last victory was you know I think it, it's a game Vince Catronio right now is doing top fifty A's games of all time. This could be number fifty one. Uh, you <laughs> scored three you scored three runs in the tenth inning and you didn't get one hit. Yeah, it was uh, it was a weird one, and and I guess when you, you put in the new rule and start with a, a ghost runner on second and extra innings, you're you're asking for some weird things to happen, but. Um, you know, I, I talked to Bob after the game, and uh, despite not getting a hit there in the 10th, we, we talked about how our, our offensive guys, they grinded all day, and they had good at-bats, all the way down to the last one that, that Ramon had. He fell, I think he fell off like five pitches before putting that last ball in play, and uh, Canna before him, and just guys having really good at-bats all days, and, and you know, all, all day, and the, the lead went back and forth, but we did need a little bit of luck to come out there on top at the end. You know, Bob talked about, Bob Melvin talked about it after the game. I talked about it in the post game, you know, put the ball in play. You never know what's going to happen. And now with everybody shifting and, you know, the air at second base, and then they took Donaldson out, then the air at third. I mean, striking out, you can't win striking out, but you put the ball in play, David, anything can happen. It, there's no doubt. And, and, it's easy for, for you and I and even Bob to, to say that, but I think we, we see what's happening in the game right now and, and the strikeouts at a, at a higher rate than we've ever seen. And at, at some point you have to look at, at what the hitters have to do and realize how incredibly difficult it is. I mean, you've got guys throwing 
harder than ever, with more movement than ever. Um, there's a reason that strikeouts are are going through the roof the way they are. So I, I know our guys are up there, you know, trying to put the ball in play. No one's up there trying to strike out, and uh, it's become a, more a part of the game now than ever. But um, but you're right. You put the ball in play. You make the other side make you know make the plays and, and we saw with with the last two balls with canna's grounder and, and ramon's grounder that uh like you said you never know what's going to happen so speaking of movement and spin rates the athletic is all over this whole thing about the foreign substances for pitchers you know bullfrog mixed with rosin or whatever people are concocting to help get a better grip how much do you pay attention to any of that well, we have to pay attention to it because I, I know how much the commissioner is focused on it and how much the league is focused on on making some changes. And, and they're obviously analyzing a lot of the baseballs. Um, you know, the fact is there's a rule on the books right now that you can't put, put anything on the ball. Um, so no matter what the sort of accepted practices are or what, you know, what everybody thinks they know is going on, uh, at some point I know Major League Baseball wants to step in and, and kind of level the playing field because uh, some of that stuff is absolutely responsible for uh, the increased dominance of pitchers. So, um, you know, they've gone as far as to work on a, a new baseball with some, you know, tacky leather to, to help. Uh, and the argument has always been like, hey, the pitchers need something to help with slick baseball, to help, help control the ball so guys aren't getting hurt. And I, I get that. Um, but I think we're all we're all having to be more aware of, of this issue as the commissioner takes an interest in it. You know, I'm holding a ball in my hand and this, this thing is, it, it, it's like a cue ball. It's so slick. And I, I, as a former pitcher, I look at it this way. If you're going to allow the hitters to have pine tar and the sticky spray, and then they can have an elbow pad and they can have an ankle pad and they got, they, they got so much padding and armor up there. Why do the hitters get all of this? And then we're saying, pitchers, you get nothing. Sp- spoken like a true former pitcher, Chris. No, <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, where do you draw the line? I, I think on both sides. And all this stuff is is a lot more part of the game than when you and I played. And um, and I, I, yeah, I think you you have to leave it up to the league to to police it at some point. But but obviously they're trying to be proactive and make make changes to to you know, improve the product on the field because because some of those things are leading uh, to, you know, whether it's the strikeouts or or lack of balls in play, whatever. Some of those things are leading to to a game that, that isn't necessarily as much fun to watch. Well, I t- you know, one, one guy I want to talk about is, is Matt Olson, and obviously last year, I mean, he hit the homers, but it just wasn't a good year for him. And we had him on, and he he talked about how he got too much into video, too much into his head. He had to get back to more C-ball, hit-ball. He got engaged. He got a puppy. I mean, his life is just going good right now. And his last 10 games, he's hitting 389, six home runs, 14 RBIs. Just talk about what a treat it is to watch him play right now. He's so so talented. He is. He is. And we saw – we got a glimpse of it in spring and how locked in he was and – Really, I think I said hitting homers from from the beginning of simulated games. Really on the backfield, he, you could see how locked in he was, and then, you know, came out and and was a little slow those first you know first four or five games, just like everybody else. But um, but we've seen during this during this streak, 
how locked in he is. And, and, you know, you, you almost expect him, you almost expect a homer every time he comes up when he, when he's feeling like this. And, and, you know, we've seen some incredible exit velos out of him, 110 miles an hour plus. And, um, and he, he certainly, certainly has the ability to carry us. So it's, um, I, I didn't know about the puppy. If that's the uh, secret to his success, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to look into it for some of the other guys, but, uh, but he sure feels good at the plate right now. And, and, and you know, Seth Brown is kind of reminding me of Mark Canna. Like, you know, we've talked so much about Mark Canna and what we thought he was and what he's turned out to be. Uh, I, I know for me, Seth Brown, I'm looking at him as a more athletic than I thought he was. Did you know he was this athletic and this versatile? I, I, I have to say I did. I mean, he played first base and the outfield, all, all three outfield spots actually in the minor leagues. Um, you know, he filled in nicely in the corners for us, but, but yeah, we knew he could run. He's a big guy, but we knew he could run a little bit on the bases. And, uh, as far as his offense, it was just, you know, it's just a matter of time, a guy who has the success that he had in the minor league, you know, it's going to translate. He just, he had to, maybe he had to get that first one in Houston and get over the hump, but, um, but everybody feels really good with Seth at the plate right now. So we've got to play you a, a part of Moneyball because we have a new nickname for your team. Cody, a uh, play for David Force, the cut from Moneyball. Another thing, no more stealing. That's what I do. That's what you pay me to do. No, I pay you to get on first, and I get thrown out a second. Ah, the running A's, David. It's like all of a sudden Vince <laughs> Coleman, Tim Raines, Ricky Henderson. I mean, you guys running the bases. It's been great to watch. It has, because you know why? Because we haven't gotten thrown out. That's why it's so much. That's why it's so much fun to watch. I think I, I may be wrong. I think our only caught stealings are pickoffs, right? Um, so, yeah, no, I, I've I've seen and heard that clip a number of times. I know. I think uh, the the screenwriter was very pleased with his adaptation of that uh, that theory. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been great, and and our guys have been studying and getting good jumps and. As long as we're uh, we're making it on the other end, it's fun to watch. You know, Ramon Laureano said something really interesting. He said, pitchers just don't care anymore. It's like they, all they care about is focusing on the batter and trying to strike out the batter that, you know, they're, they're, they're given 90 feet away. Do you see that in our, in our game? Um, I think there's a, there's a decreased emphasis on keeping guys out of scoring position. If, you know, to sort of uh, – you know, take remote, a little nuance from what Ramon said. I, I don't know that they don't care, but I, I do think we're seeing, again, going back to the strikeouts, the, the value of having runners in, in scoring position, or even on third base with less than two outs, is a, little, is a little less now than it used to be in our game. So it's not quite as critical to keep a guy at first base. And, and good for Ramon for recognizing and, and taking advantage of that, because I know he's leading the league in stolen bases by quite a bit. So uh, yeah, it, some of the parts of the game are changing, and if our guys can take advantage of it, you know, better for us. I, I've wondered because we've seen we've seen good, we've seen we've seen bad with the shift, and I know we've talked to you about the shift, and you like shifting. Obviously, how many the A's are shifting more than anybody else, but do you keep like a scorecard somehow of like when it works and when it doesn't work? Does it even out? Are are you way ahead? How do you keep track of that? Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to calculate it and essentially keep keep track of of you know overall runs saved and and average 
against the shift and things like that. And yeah, we, we absolutely evaluate it constantly and are keeping track. It's not, it's not a one for one, you know, did it work this time versus didn't it work that time? And um, again, you're, you're playing the odds just like anything else here. So um, like we talked about last week, I, I think we do a really good job of it. I think the pitchers understand it. Um, and until, you know, until hitters are going to make some, some wholesale adjustment, I think, you know, it's going to continue to be successful for us. Yeah, because David, we're not seeing we're not seeing that. I mean, I, I got to think with all the baseball you watch, you're not seeing a whole lot of people adjusting. <laughs> no, you you don't. I mean, there there obviously there are hitters who are good enough to to not be shifted and and use the whole field, but obviously you know we've seen a lot of left-handers still hit ground balls into that short right field shift, and and right-handed pull hitters the same way. So. Um, you know, they, they, they have to do the math too and, and weigh the possibility of extra base hits versus, versus singles. And, um, everybody's sort of playing their own little math game on both sides. You know, during this win streak, and we, let's, let's end on this. Your pitchers, certain guys are going out there and they're p- pitching with conviction. And Sean and I brought it up two starts ago with the media about how he has changed. And just the mentality of seeing these guys with their fastball and everything's off your fastball, but attacking the strike zone with the fastball, not walking anybody. And I think of another guy that I really wanted to ask you about, Lou Trevino. He just looks like a different pitcher. Talk about what you've seen with Lou and you now trust him to go out there and get you those toughest outs, which are the last outs to end the game. Yeah, they are. And I think, you know, I think having both Lou and, as options back there it's kind of helped Lou in a way because he, he hasn't had to just assume he's the guy and, and sort of get psyched up about it and Bob's done a really good job of matching matching up I know Jake was up and in in the sixth or seventh inning the other day because of the matchups um, but yeah I mean you mentioned when you're talking about Sean about walks and and the one thing we did not do well at all those first six games was command the strike zone from a pitching standpoint. I don't know how many guys we walked, but it, it was very unlike an A's pitching staff. And, and we've done such a good job during this stretch of not giving away free bases, of getting ahead in the count. I, I, I talked to Jesus briefly after his start the other day against Minnesota about first pitch strikes. And, and I don't remember exactly what his number was, but it was, he maybe threw more first pitch strikes in that game than in the two previous ones combined. And it's, it's just so important getting ahead of the count. And like you said, pitching, pitching with confidence, pitching with conviction. And uh, all of our guys are doing it right now. Our, our offense is getting them the lead. And guys are throwing strikes and, and letting their stuff do the work. You know, I, I feel so bad for Trevor Rosenthal. You know, we had him on right when he signed with the A's. And he talked about how he was sad that the season ended last year because he was throwing the ball so well with the Padres. And to, to get hurt like this, and have the surgery, and we've kind of forgotten about him. Uh, do, do you have any idea when when he potentially could return? And boy, would that be a huge addition to the bullpen? Yeah, I, it's so it's so far down the line right now that there's there's no timeline on Trevor. I mean, he's here in Oakland. He's rehabbing with our staff, um, so you know he, he's back sort of as a part of the team. But until you know, until we get through the initial stages of his rehab and, and get a ball back in his hands, which is, you know, well down the road, there's no timeline. But hopefully it's it's later this season. And, uh, yeah, and he could be a great addition to, to whatever the bullpen looks like at that point. Well, David, keep riding the wave and keep winning games. <laughs> We've got the, the original wave rider on the bump tonight. So 
we'll uh, we'll let Cole do his thing against Baltimore and hope this thing keeps going. We'll talk to you next week. Be well. All right. See you, Chris. David Forrest, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. Yes, Cole is not a surfer himself, but his fiance is a surfer down in Southern California. So we're riding the wave with the left-hander today up again. Who's going for the Orioles? That's a great question. Um, it's not Jorge just, Lopez. Yeah, he's a hard thrower. I know that. Um, I don't think he, you ready for – Jorge's not having a great year. No. Uh, Matt, Matt Harvey got his first win in like a, a decade the other day for the Orioles, though. So the A's are going to uh, miss him. Jorge's got an 8.56 ERA. Yeah, the, the Orioles pitching staff, uh, it's not there yet in their rebuild, uh, I, I, will, I will say. Uh, I looked it up while you were talking to David about shifting. The A's are not the leaders of baseball anymore. The Dodgers lead baseball. The A's are still shifting over 52% at the time. But wow, the Dodgers, it's dropped. Yeah, it was at 71% at one point. Dodgers are at 58. The A's are at 52.3, followed by Houston, Detroit, and the Mets. So the A's are still shifting more. Uh, let's see. They even dropped. They're not the leaders in left-handed hitters anymore either. They're second. Detroit is now shifting more against left-handed hitters than the A's are. So that went down. You asked me earlier who was the last A to lead the league in stolen bases. Coco Crisp tied with, I think it was, I have it right here, I think it was Brett Gardner. He tied with Brett Gardner in 2011. They each had 49 steals. Michael Bourne led baseball with 61. So the last A to lead Major League Baseball in steals was Coco. Uh, in the, a lead, the AL in steals was Coco with 49. The last guy to lead uh, all of baseball, well, you can probably guess it was Ricky Henderson in 1998 when he had 66 at the age of, uh, let's see, well, how old is Ricky in 1998? Ricky was oh, got to be late 30s, 39 years of yeah. age. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, you know, the A's had that streak. Three out of four games was a shutout. Well, the 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 Baltimore Orioles have been shut out in two of their last three games. That's Look good. out. By the way, you know the longest win streak ever for the Oakland Athletics, correct? The uh, longest win streak was 20. For Oakland. Correct. Yes. What's the second longest in A's history? Wasn't it 11 in 2019? 14 in 1988. Huh. 1988. Well, that was a good team. I think, I think they went to the World Series that year. I mean, we know what there's happened. A lot, there's a lot. Jed Lowry is hitting 385 with 13 RBIs in his last 10 games. Matt Olson, who homered twice on Wednesday, he's got six homers, 14 RBIs, hitting 389 in 10 games, including a streak of five straight games with an extra base hit. Is that any good? It's pretty impressive. I looked this up the other day during our show. How many runs, like, the teams that won 20 and 11 games did, the 2019 team that won 11? How many runs they allowed during the streak, like, in a game and won? Obviously, in 2002, when they won 20, they allowed 11 in that game. Or, you know, uh, the guy that, that saved Moneyball, Scott Hatterberg, the only reason they won 20 in a row, according to the movie, uh, when he hit the home run. He saved the franchise. Yeah, I think 2019, the most runs they gave up during their 11-game winning streak was five. So, this the win the other day against Minnesota where they gave up 12 was the most – by far, until you go back to 2002 when they won 20 in a row. Is it safe to say Scott Hatterberg is the most important Oakland A of all time? I mean, he's if he's not number one, he's one. He's one B. 
I mean, seriously, why, why is he not in the A's Hall of Fame? He saved the franchise. I mean, read the book. He saved the franchise. Uh, it's funny. Alex Coffey of The Athletic did, a, did an article today. Um, I didn't get a chance to read all of it. I saw the headline. But she talked to Scott Hatterberg about the winning streak and how they were riding a wave two back in 2002. Oh, so God. so here we here we go. The, all the parallels and everything, you know, 19 Great. years apart. And uh, it, it's, it's pretty remarkable that they've won that many games in a row so far this year. I mean – to start out 0-6 and then win 11 straight, no team's ever done that before, that's really, really impressive. So, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to win games. The other guys get paid, too. Well, that's a, that's a, that's, that sounds like a baseball cliche there. It's, it's <laughs> tough to win games. <laughs> uh, that's why, like, like, certain records, like the one year, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was, like, 1986 where the Boston Celtics only lost one home game. Yeah, that's true. The Spurs was it 86 or 84? I want to say it was 86 cuz the Spurs one year only lost like one or two games too. Like it's it's that's incredible. <laughs> that's I mean, I mean we we were actually I mean we we had we were we were being paid to be homers, but we were talking about the Warriors not losing a game at Oracle. Like could they go the entire season without losing a game? Obviously didn't come close to that, but that just that I mean, certain things and win streaks they're remarkable. How about Mark Canna? Mark Canna has reached base safely three. He reached base safely three times on Wednesday. He's got 18 hits, 14 walks. He's got a 4.14 on base percentage in 19 games this year. Over, I mean, almost half the time he's on base. That's your leadoff guy. Is that working? Do you think that, that that experiment, Bob Melvin and Mark Canna in the leadoff spot, you think that's working? Uh, I would say so. And, and, you know, another crazy stat that, that's actually in, the, in favor of the A's. You know what the A's record is in extra inning games since the new rule took place last year? Oh, I bet pretty good. Eight and one. The A's have lost one game in extra innings since last year when they started this new rule. Two and, two, obviously 2-0 two and oh this year and 6-1 and one last year. I went back and looked it up because I – for a while, I kept thinking, I'm like, have they lost the game in extra innings yet? I know Bob Melvin loves the extra inning rule because they never lost. I remember when he told us that last year, and they finally lost yeah. one. But here they are starting out undefeated in extra innings again this year. So 8-1 and one in their last nine extra inning games going back to last year with this runner on second rule. That's pretty impressive. Hey, you know what? Just thinking about this. So we got Dave Cavill for the build. We've got David Force for the general manager show. You're going to put those up on on A's cast, correct? Today? I'll do, yeah, I'll have it up before four, before the game starts. And then tomorrow, we're, we're, we're going to tape Bob Melvin before the game. We're going to be completely updated on A's cast. That's a great feeling. Yeah, uh, we and we updated a new A's unfiltered the other day with uh, Burt Blylevin and Ray Fossey. I will give you an update. I did reach out to an Orioles Hall of Famer, and it's not Jim Palmer. I reached out to Cal Ripken Jr., and apparently the number I reached out to was his administrative assistant. So they texted me back <laughs> and told me to email uh, like the handler for Cal. He was unavailable this week, so I'm going to try to get him next week if we can, maybe when we play the Orioles here, because you know they're playing the old uh, you know road and home uh, one week apart uh, series against Baltimore. So uh, it would be an honor to interview Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, I'm trying. I mean, this is this is what I do in my. My day's off. I try to get these people. I mean, I wait all day. I'm like, Cal's not going to respond to me. Like, There's no way. And I wake up this morning. I had this message. Hey, you reached uh, Cal's administrative assistant. So, I mean, I don't I don't know if it's going to be like Nolan Ryan's assistant. But uh, hopefully we can, you know, catch up with Cal Rickman Jr., which would be pretty awesome. Oh, 
That would be epic. That uh, that would be. Uh, I mean, we've talked to Mark McGuire about saving baseball and how that's the biggest thing of his career. Cal Ripken was the originator of saving baseball after the strike. Him breaking Lou Gehrig's record was so big, like the president of the United States showed up. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, he was only about 45 minutes away in D.C. But, I mean, when Bill Clinton, the president, shows up, and the whole the whole country was mesmerized by him breaking this record. Those games, he's hitting a home run every game. Those games got such huge ratings on ESPN. I mean, he. I mean, how can you not love what Cal Ripken did? And when baseball was at a low point, people started watching baseball again because of Cal Ripken, his streak. Yeah, it's true. But uh, before we go, because we're at, we're getting cooler, we're at the time. The Warriors, when they won seventy three games, won thirty nine and two at home, thirty nine and two at Oracle Arena. And then they lost the most important game at home to end the regular end the season when they lost game seven of the NBA Finals. Shots fired on the way out by me. Wow. By the way, A starters during this streak are 7-0 with a 2.85 ERA. Just 19 Ernie's in 60 innings pitched. Is that any good? They have more wins during this winning streak than the teams have on the season. I'm looking at you, Colorado. I mean, this is this is this is fun stuff. Keep it rolling. Keep riding that wave, baby. The other one, let's see. The other one, the A's have trailed at the end of just eleven of the ninety-six innings during the win streak. Pretty good too. So, and never trailed in eight of the of of the eleven wins. Also impressive. That's very impressive. Who am I? Are you cutting up Dave Cavill for it's already, it's, the A's? It's already done. Dave Cavill, Ace ready Total to go. Access? Dave Cavill okay. will be your guest on Ace Total Access. Vince has uh, the top 50 games in, uh, all time in Oakland. I believe he's doing number 44, the comeback versus Minnesota in 2009. And you'll hear from Bob Melvin and Ray Fossey. And you're just done for the rest of the day, huh? That, that real tough one-hour show you had. Well, to, I have to upload this podcast, too. That takes me all, all right. about 15 minutes to edit. All right. Through. By the way, remember, with that win against the, the against the Twins in 10, it's the first time they won a game this season, and they were out homered. They can win when they don't hit the most home runs. They're now 1-7 in, in that scenario. Keep building on that. Keep building on that. Do you know what their record is when they – out homer the other team? Aren't they 10 and 0? That'd be 10 and 0. Yeah. It is what it is. All righty, we'll have A's total access coming up in moments. Great job, Commander. Have a good weekend, and we'll be back. Uh, we're going to be back on Monday Same time. at what, 2 o'clock? Same time. We're going to have Dave Wills, the voice of the Tampa Bay Rays. And I do have oh. an email in for Cashy, Joey Wendell, or the airplane himself, Brett Phillips. So we'll see if they help us out. If not, maybe we'll get him in Oakland. All right, we're going to send it to Ace Cast. We'll be back in a few. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.